0: been talking about being rooted and um, pastor Zach preached on being planted and being grounded and this week I get to talk about growing and what that looks like and I'm so excited um, a few just a couple weeks ago when we filmed that video we were actually in Sedona I don't know if, it, if anybody has been there it is so beautiful and if you can take some time and take a little trip it's only three and a half four hours away depending on how you drive and um And it's beautiful. So we went up there a couple weeks ago. Quick fun story. Um, I'm born and raised in Las Vegas. Anybody else? Couple, few here and there. This is home. So we know how to drive in the heat. We don't know how to drive in the snow. And did you know that to get to Sedona, you have to go through Flagstaff? And Flagstaff is one of the most, they receive more snow than almost any other city in the United States. We're only three and a half hours away from the most snowed city. Isn't that crazy? Um, so they have—they get like a hundred, over 100 um, feet of snow a year. So we just happened to be driving to Sedona and just happened to hit a snowstorm in January, because we're from Vegas, so it's going to snow not three hours away. We're not even thinking that. So I'm in the car driving, and my husband, who's from Colorado, Denver, they get snow. He knows how to drive in the snow. And our very good friends, um, Pastor Travis and his beautiful wife, Kimberly, are in the back seat. They're both from New York. They obviously know how to drive in the snow also. Um, And so Vegas girl, though, is driving. I really believe that I have been put in people's life to increase their prayer life. I really believe that with all my heart, that the Lord is just like, I'm going to give you a gift. Her name is Rochelle. You can pray more now. That's it. So they're in the car, and it's just this funny, awkward kind of, Rochelle, do you know how to drive in the snow? well, no, but we're going to figure this out together, right? And then Carly tells me later, because Chris and Carly are following us in a, in their car, and um, Carly was saying, um, as they were driving through the snow, every once in a while, Chris was following me. He'd be like, Rochelle, what are you doing? I mean, I, I couldn't hear him, but that's what he was yelling at me. It's just funny. I'm... I'm I'm put in people's life to make them pray. So on this beautiful trip to Sedona, Zach had us do um, a nature prayer walk. Um, this is not usually what I like to do. I like to do Nordstrom prayer walks. I mean that's just that's just my like some people are lost in nature, like me. And then some people are lost in Nordstrom. Unlike me, if you need to know where you're at, I'll help you find your way. So we did this prayer walk, and, and he wanted us to all kind of take our turn and, and just pray and just spend some time with the Lord. And, and all the cute other people on our trip, Travis and Kimberly were together, and Chris and Carly are together. And my husband's like, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And he leaves me alone in the snow. And my idea of snowshoes was um, Ultra Boost Adidas, which are like 95% cloth. So I'm walking in the snow, my feet are soaking wet, my white Adidas. I don't know if you know this, but if you're walking in the snow, don't walk in white shoes. You would think that that makes sense, but somehow it makes your shoes all muddy, So I think that like the water underneath or something. So my white shoes are no longer white. My Adidas are no longer dry. And I'm walking and praying with Jesus. (laughs) Praise the Lord. At least it was beautiful. And I just begin to pray for us as a community and what God has done in and through this beautiful community. We've been doing this 11 years church some of y'all been with us the whole time some of you guys just gone on board lord have mercy it's been a ride beautiful lovely ride i wouldn't take back one day of it and i was just like god what are you saying what are you saying about us as a church what are you and he says this is what he said to me what started out as david in the cave of adullam has become an oasis in the desert. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. What does that mean for us as a community as far as growing with the Lord, growing in this house, and growing in ourselves, in our relationship with God? What does it look like to go from the cave to an oasis? Now, I don't know if you know this, the story of David in the Bible. Oh, I thought my computer shut off. I was going to cry. But in 1 Samuel 22, and it goes all the way to about 23 and a half. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But um, David had been anointed king as a young boy. If you know the story, he was anointed king long before he ever took that role. I think sometimes in our lives, we hear the voice of God early on, and we expect it to happen tomorrow. When it doesn't, we get defeated and we run away we shrink back or we question the voice of God instead of holding on to what he has. See, David was anointed king and then all hell broke loose. How many ever felt like that? In your life, you're like, God, but you said, I'm pretty sure you called me, and like you told me I'm going to be this awesome, like prophetic uh, apostle to the nations, and my kids don't even listen to me. (laughs) David was anointed king, and all hell broke loose. Um, Saul was trying to kill him, so he escaped to the cave of Adullam, and the Bible says his mighty men were with him, and there were about 400 when they started. And instead of David shrinking back in the cave, he decided to build an army. He decided to train his soldiers. He decided to sharpen his weapons. See, sometimes when we feel like we're in our cave, we shrink back. We forget the voice of God. But he's saying, have you sharpened your weapons? Have you built your army? Have you stood fast? Are you standing tall? Are you training in your wilderness or are you just sitting down waiting for something to happen to you instead of making it happen for you? Let me tell you church, when you are in the cave, you might feel alone but there is an army around you And, and when you are in the cave, you might feel like you can't hear his voice but just let his voice become that echo and let it echo in your heart over and over and over again and let the words of God take resident inside of you. See, when his voice takes resident, it becomes a part of you and you can't do anything but what he said. Sarah, you can't do anything but what he said. There's nothing else that you can do but what he said to you. Because his voice takes resident. All hell could be breaking loose around you, but his voice is resident inside of you. That's what happened with David. Now, I believe, as a church, what happens... In, in our community is that we have gone from this place of a bunch of misfits in a cave running from their past to an oasis in the darkest place, an oasis of the presence of God, an oasis of the goodness of God, a place where we can say, come and taste and see of what goodness the God, of God has for you, an oasis of His presence. And you are a carrier of the oasis. You don't have to shrink back in the cave any longer. You've now conquered your enemies, and you're walking in the promises of God. Now, I want to tell you three things that get you to a place where you're growing. The first thing is being faithful. Now when we think about faithfulness, sometimes we think about some sort of action, I must be faithful, and um, I use this as an example to, in a marriage, if we held faithfulness as the highest standard in a marriage, we would kind of be missing it. Say I didn't honor my husband or love him or cherished him or showed him my love for him, but I'm like, well, I'm faithful. Ah, I didn't cheat on you. That wouldn't make for a great relationship. See, the faithfulness I'm talking about is the faithfulness that comes from a place of honor in our heart for God. The faithfulness I'm talking about is when we honor the Lord so much that I have to do what he said. I have to heed his voice. My yes has to be yes, because I have to be faithful to the one that I honor. See, David's mighty man had honor in their heart, and they stuck with him till the end. There's one verse, and there were three specific men that they called his mighty men, I think, and and one of them actually killed 800 of their enemies in one battle. One man killed 800. That guy on my side. But they stuck with him till the end. It's so funny because when you're a pastor of a church and and people come to you and, and they'll say things like, man, I've been looking for this church my whole life. And then they're like, I'm with you. I can preach. I can teach. I can. They tell you all the things they want to do and all the, the things they want to be in your church. And, and, and then you know they hit one little tiny bump, and it's like God changed his mind. I'm like, I'm pretty sure God didn't change his mind. You did. But I'm not going to hold it against you. Sometimes honor is our yes being yes. Because I will value my word. Above my circumstances. I'll honor the word of the Lord above what I'm feeling in the moment. Because let me tell you, in 11 years, sometimes I wasn't feeling church. Wasn't feeling like being a pastor's wife today. I'll tell you this funny story. I told my husband, I'm not going to be too transparent because it'll just freak everybody out, but a little transparent. I remember this one. We used to have Tuesday night prayer. Um, this is a weird thing to me because um, why would a bunch of people want to come to pray for like two hours? It's so weird. But they did. They came. <laughs> so I remember one, I, I come and I'm just having a bad day and a bad week and You know, show up to Tuesday Night Prayer and I walk in and, right, I'm the pastor's wife, mind you, okay, that's supposed to mean something to everybody in this room. I'm the first lady. (laughs) So I walk into Tuesday Night Prayer and nobody talked to me. And I'm just standing there with this attitude. So then I left. (laughs) My husband calls me, he's like, what did you do? I'm like, I went home. I don't even want to be there. (laughs) Uh, That was a long time ago. (laughs) There's times you don't feel like it. But honor requires your yes, even when you don't feel like it. See, something happens in our heart when we honor the Lord and His voice. It doesn't matter what it looks like. My yes is my yes. And I will say yes to what He has for me. I will say yes to what He says to me. It don't matter what it looks like. David's mighty men knew it. See, what we don't realize is even when they were in the cave, it wasn't just Saul that was after them. Armies were building up against them, and they stayed strong, and they stayed vigilant, and they heeded the voice of God. And every time he said to do something, David did it. They might have lost some people along the way. They had some losses in their battles. But their yes was their yes, and the men of God stood next to David until the end. Faithfulness is a byproduct of a life that is rooted in honor. And as we grow, the nutrients and the soil is primarily the spirit of honor. We're going to be faithful to his word. The Second thing is following. I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 11.1. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. He says, I want you to pattern your lives after me just as I pattern mine after Christ. We have these nice Christian sayings like, you know, um, I'm the church, or I don't follow Christians, I follow Christ. Well, those are stupid things that aren't in the Bible. Because you're not the church, we are. And you have to follow someone. Unless Jesus physically appears, then you can follow him. And if you have that hallucination, come and talk to me, because you probably need a sozo. But until then, Jesus sent gifts, and they're wrapped in flesh. It's called the Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, Teacher. Find one, get one, and follow them. So I want to ask this question, who are you following, and who is following you? And that's what we're talking about when we talk this Grow 2020 discipleship on Thursday nights. And it sounds like a really fun program, but let me tell you what is happening on Thursdays. We're getting in the nitty-gritty with each other. We're getting in the trenches with each other. And we're saying, where are you? How can I help you? Let me pull you through. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm behind you. We're walking this together. Who are you following and who is following you? I know that there's some people in my life that have taught me some things. See, God shapes us, but people also shape us. If you don't recognize that, you'll miss out on honoring the person that has helped shape you, and you'll miss out on some grace that's coming your way. It's important to honor the people that have shaped us. You know, I have an awesome mom. She's amazing. And she taught me how to fight, and she taught me how to persevere. My mom raised three girls all by herself. If you're a single mom, I have so much respect for you. I have so much honor for you. It's a hard world out there, raising kids all by yourself. My mom's crazy, though. I never, ever spent the night at any of my friend's house, ever, especially if there was any kind of male in the house at all. It was like, no, uh uh-uh, they can spend the night at my house. So all my friends had to spend the night at my house, and let me tell you, every single one of those sleepovers ended in a prayer meeting, because my mom is crazy. I'll still run into people from, like, middle school and high school. They'll be like, hey, I remember your mom. It's like, what? She's that crazy prayer lady. Like, she prayed that prayer. I remember running into this guy, and he was, like, like, not a great person, And but she found him on the street one day. Like, And he's like, I remember your mom. She prayed for me. I, like, prayed that prayer. I never forget that prayer I prayed. She made everybody pray the salvation prayer every person i don't know how many it stuck with but everybody prayed the spiritual the, the prayer of salvation she used to like have these different tongues if you pray in tongues you'll understand what i'm saying we like at a gas station i'll know when danger's coming because they'd be like shake <laughs> i'm like mom what's going on what are you doing and she'd be like just praying. And it's like danger. It's like, all right. A few times she'd be like, watch. She'll mess with people that are like demon possessed. <sighs> just watch. And they're like, and they freak out. You see that? You see that? Watch again. And they're like, the de- I'm like, mom, can you just go like pray for the person? Like set them free or something? Like, I don't know. I feel bad for my kids because they're just like it's—they're getting raised just like how I was. I can't go anywhere without knowing somebody, and I couldn't when I was grown up either. And if I didn't know somebody, my mom made it a point that we we got to know somebody at every single excursion in our life. It's like she's praying for somebody, or they know her, and so it's like everywhere we go, we have to get, stop. It's so embarrassing, and now I do it to my kids, so. My mom taught me how to fight. My mom taught me how to be strong. My mom taught me how to never give up, never let go, and love her kids well. This other awesome lady in my life, um, my husband got invited to this 24 elders thing in in Dallas, and where this pastor, Larry Titus, brought 24 men of God. And he's like, I'm going to pour into them. And of course, I'm like, I'm going. You're going, I'm going, I get to go. I know he didn't ask me, but I'm going to go. We're one flesh. So I go and I get to sit with um, Debbie Titus, and, and she began to talk about things like, if your home is out of order, it's your fault. To the ladies. I'm like, excuse me. It takes two. It's probably his fault. And she said, the wife is responsible for the climate of her home. The wife is responsible for the peace in her home. The wife is responsible to, to uh, shape the children. And the husband shapes his wife. The husband is head of the wife, but the wife is head of the home. And it, my authority totally shifted. Just one Just one conversation. And I was like... I'm pretty sure you're misinterpreting scripture (laughs) because I've never heard it like that. And so she opens up the Bible and it's like, the wife's the head of the house, the husband's ahead of his wife. And we just skip that part, ladies. Wait for dad to come home to discipline the kids. Wait for dad to come home to set things things right. Wait for dad to come home to put things in order. You wonder why he don't want to come home. Moving on. <laughs> marriage is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. The best thing that has ever happened to me, except the first two years. I feel like if you get through the first couple years of marriage, you've already like accomplished Mount Everest. It's just smooth sailing after that. I mean, not always, but most of the time. It's just that first couple years. So when we first got married, we would go to church together like a good married couple. And we'd drive in the same car like most people. Um, And my husband had to pray in tongues the entire ride to church, the whole way dude, do you know we're going to church? Like, you can literally pray when we get there. (laughs) No, he has to pray the whole entire time. So I used to get so frustrated. I would watch, like, if he took, like, the long way, and I'd be mad. (sighs) you miss a light. You could have cut that person off, and then you'd make the light, and then we'd be there faster. And I wouldn't have to listen to you pray the whole entire freaking time. And my heart started to change. And honor in my heart began to build. And then we'd pray together. Then our heart would become one as we went to church. Now we take separate cars. (laughs) My husband taught me how to pray. My husband also taught me how to love people well. Um, I like people a lot, most of the time. But I'm also kind of critical. But the Lord has been teaching me that when you criticize exterior, it's because you're more critical inside, right? Um, So I'm letting God heal that place in my heart because I have been extremely critical of people. But the Lord was like, that's because you're extremely critical of yourself. And if you give yourself a break, you'd give other people a break. So let go. Can't control everything, Rochelle. But he's taught me how to love people. He's taught me how to see the gold, how to see the best in people, how to really honor people. That's something my husband's taught me. And I share this with you guys because I want you to see the people in your life that have taught you to be better. The people in our life, like Paul, who said, pattern your life after me as I pattern mine after Christ. We have to see the people in our life that God is saying, follow them. See what they do well. You know, I can look across this room and think of people in my life that do lots of things well, and I can hear the Lord saying, follow them. The things that we need in our life from people are correction, guiding, People to teach us what God is really saying, what the Word of God is saying. Equip us. Lead by example. If you don't have a strong marriage, find a marriage that's strong and get with them. Your kids don't serve the Lord. Find a mom that's raising her kids right and go find out what she's doing right you're not having success on your job, find an entrepreneur who knows how to make money and go stay with them. Go, go learn from them. The minute you think you know everything is when you stop growing. The reason why we're not growing and moving is because we stop thinking we need to learn. The sign of maturity is when you say, I don't know it all. You know, the most immature people, <clears throat> um, I'm not going to, say them, but you know, like teenagers and young adults, (sighs) literally have everything figured out and can learn nothing. Not all of them. But that's a sign of immaturity. And in the church sometimes we feel like, I have it all together, I have it all figured out, you can't change my theology, I know everything, I read the Bible every single year. The minute you stop being a learner is when you stop growing. The last thing, and I'm going to close with this, is we become fruitful. When we're growing, we become fruitful. Luke chapter 6 in the Passion Translation, it says, you'll never find choice fruit hanging on a bad, unhealthy tree. A rotten fruit does not hang on a good healthy tree every tree will be revealed by the quality of the fruit that it produces figs or grapes will never be picked off thorn trees and people are known the same way out of the virtue stored in their hearts good and upright people will produce good fruit but out of the evil hidden in their hearts evil ones will produce what is evil this is the key of this verse for the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. What is your overflow? I don't want my Christian life to be based on what I do behind a microphone. I want it to be based on what I do at a table. I don't want at the end of whatever it looks like for ministry, for me, for the people in my ministry to say, See, she was so awesome. Every time I went to church, she gave me a prophetic word. I want my kids to say, she raised us in love. I want my husband to say, she loved me well. See, the overflow is what happens when we live our life in a place of saying, God, I honor you. I'm not leaving what's left over for the people in my life I'm putting you at the center that changes everything and I believe the difference between somebody who's growing and somebody who's not growing is people who are producing versus people who are consuming yes, yes. you cannot grow If you are not producing now, there are seasons in our lives where we're supposed to sit and we're supposed to receive, but if we're not giving life to people around us, we are not growing. Fruitfulness is not hoarding. Fruitfulness is producing and you can't grow. And you can't be fruitful if you're only consuming. It's impossible. It's impossible. Once you receive this, you are now an oasis of the presence of God. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. thank you that you've taken us out of the cave and into the oasis. I thank you that you've taken us out of a place of just consuming to producing. And I pray that in our hearts, as your church, as your people, we would understand the responsibility it is to be an oasis of your presence. And we would take it on. We would take it seriously. And we would grow. We would grow and flourish as we are faithful, as we follow, and as we bear fruit in Jesus' name. They're gonna do some worship. So if you wanna just sit and soak or come to the altar, there's gonna be time for that. And there's such a a weighty glory in this. Room of just his presence. So I encourage you, if you can, stay a few minutes. If not, you want to be dismissed. We'll, I'll dismiss you in just a second. But can you lift your hands with me one more time? As your church, as your people, we say yes, God. We say yes to whatever you have for us. Pray your word would just go deep into the hearts of your people wholeness, healing, restoration, refreshing in your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. If our prayer team can make it themselves available, if they can. I love you. You're dismissed. Gone, Grace.